Thank you, Lord. Boy, the, I don't know if you have the same experience I have this morning. It feels like the Lord's really speaking today through the prayers, through the music. So thankful again you're here with us this morning. I'm excited to be here as well. We are in a series, and we have been exploring the blazing center of the Holy Spirit as an essential piece of our walk. And we said we want to walk with a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. We want to walk with a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And I just want to make sure that that phrase is clear and applicable to you. What it basically is saying that we want to be active and aware of our need for the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. We want to be active and aware of the Holy Spirit's leadership in our lives. We need Him to lead us. That's what it means to be aware, to walk in conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. And of course, we began this series out of the inspiration of our denomination, which doesn't often tell us, hey, if you're going to preach, preach maybe of these ideas. But this was a series that was birthed in the offices where they said, look, in a time of such great division and, and potential to divide, will we unify together on this value that we understand we must walk together in the Holy Spirit? Yes, let's talk about that. So we began looking at several different things. We began, of course, by exploring this idea of the affirmation of conscious dependence. And I want to read it to you one more time just so we have a clear understanding. This is what uh, we affirm as a covenant church. It's one of the six affirmations, our values, that identify us as a covenant church. And I'll read it to you this way. It says that we affirm a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. The covenant church affirms a Trinitarian understanding of one God, one God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit works, the Holy Spirit works both within individuals and among them. And we believe it is the Holy Spirit who instills in our hearts a desire to turn to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who instills in us a desire to turn to Christ. And it's the Holy Spirit who assures us, who assures us that Christ dwells within us. Beautiful. But there's more. It is, it is the Holy Spirit who enables our obedience to Christ. It's the Holy Spirit who enables our obedience to Christ and also conforms us to His image it is the Spirit who enables us to continue Christ's mission in the world. And the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to us as individuals and binds us together in Christ's body. Boy, the Spirit is busy. That's a lot. That's a lot. But that blazing center heat of the Holy Spirit is what keeps us together, conforms us, works in us, works through us, and keeps us gathered together in the body of Christ. It's really a beautiful statement. Um, and again, we're just pulling this apart a little bit week by week and also exploring the book of Acts. And so today, as we talk about life in the Spirit, what does it look like to have life being led by conscious awareness of the Holy Spirit? So today we have an amazing story from Scripture that's going to show us how the Holy Spirit moves in us and moves us around, moves us towards fulfilling that mission of Christ. I'll always have to remind you what I remind myself when I read these fantastic stories, that the Bible is not allegorical, it's not symbolic, it's not fiction. I know the stories that you read in Scripture, you're like, wow, those are extraordinary, I mean, that's amazing, right? But they're, they're real, 
These are real encounters that people had being led by the Spirit and, and moving and seeing amazing things happen in and around them and through them. In other words, this is our story too. And as we read about this amazing story of Philip and this man from Ethiopia and their, their chance encounter on the road that, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit completely ordained, what we're going to see is that life in the Spirit is really about us being able to serve as ambassadors for Christ. Life in the Spirit is about us going out in the Spirit and serving as ambassadors for Christ. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. If you've been following around in your Acts reader, I appreciate that. Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at uh, verses 26 uh, through the end of that chapter, which is uh, verse 40. So let me pray as we open up God's Word this morning together. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Word your precious word that we hold in our hands. And Lord, I know that uh, it can sometimes feel so hard to connect. Sometimes the words just don't leap off the page for us. Sometimes the stories seem so amazing that we wonder, could they be real? Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take these words today, these, these ancient and holy and true words, and make them alive for us today. Teach us how you move, how you work, and how you want to move and work in our lives. So we present you this time, amplify your word for us today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This is Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, Philip meets an Ethiopian man on the road. So then the angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is just after Philip, who was already a very passionate evangelist. He was a man on a mission, literally. He was out always talking about the gospel, helping people come to Christ. And the Holy Spirit said through an angel, you got to go. I want you to head south now out of Jerusalem towards Gaza. Um, but I'll tell you what, take the, the wilderness road. The, go through the sticks, the boonies, the off track. There was another road that actually would have accomplished it a little easier, more direct. Um, and it probably had some lovely rest stops along the way and scenic route. That's not the way that the Lord had instructed him to go. He said, no, I want you to take the wilderness road, that back road, that barren path. In verse 27, it says that Philip, he got up and he went. I love that. I mean, amazing things are already going to happen whenever there's an instinct from the Lord and it's immediately obeyed. You'll see that pattern often in Scripture. God speaks through messenger, through spirit. And when someone says they get up and they do it, Amazing things are going to happen when there's obedience there. So Philip gets up, and he does it. He gets up, and there he goes along the wilderness route. On the same path was an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch is a person who is fully dedicated, a mind, body, and spirit to his work. So an Ethiopian eunuch who was a court official of Candace, and she was the queen of the Ethiopians. Again, we're talking about some real significant royalty in the African nations here. And so we presume this man, of course, is going to be an African man, but a wealthy African man. He's a servant, uh, a court official for Candace, the queen, and he's in charge of all of her money, her entire treasury. So definitely a man of some means. And he had come into Jerusalem in order to worship. And so there was some evidence here that this was a man who, who sought the Lord even though he was not from Jerusalem, something in his heart had led him to Jerusalem to explore the God of Israel and to learn more about him. And he was on his way back from that journey of having spent time in Israel, learning about the Lord. And, but yet you can sense there's some unfulfillment there. So he's, he's on the road heading down. 
uh, from Jerusalem. And as re- he's returning home, and it says he's seated in his chariot. He's seated in his chariot. In other words, again, this is a man of some means. You know, most people are walking around by foot. Maybe they've got one pair of sandals. This is a man traveling in high style in a very nice chariot. And he's reading out loud, it says, from the prophet Isaiah. And then the spirit, having Philip and him in the same proximity, then whispers to uh, Philip. The spirit says to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip runs up to it. I love, again, his instinct to be immediately obedient to what the spirit says. So he runs up to this chariot. And that's got to be quite a sight on this barren road, and there's this fancy chariot with this African man uh, there. And he runs over to this chariot, and he joins alongside of it. And he hears the man reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah. And he says to him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replies, well, how can I? How can I unless someone guides me? And then he looks down at Philip from his high chariot, and he says, why don't you come in? And sit next to me. You got two different men traveling on, a, on the very same road. One obeying God, the other also obeying God. The Ethiopian man was seeking the Lord, reading the scripture, but not sure what he was reading. How can I understand this unless somebody guides me? Why don't you come in and join me? So I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago that one of the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do, he wants to teach us the word. He wants to teach us the word. And I love, again, you already see evidence of even the Ethiopian man here seeking the spirit because he's reading the word. He wants to know God and he's doing so. Something led him to the word and he was still not sure he was reading it, but he wouldn't quite gather it. Now, this idea of him reading out loud is not unusual. Uh, We tend to read more in our heads Uh, Back in the ancient uh, days, they read more out loud. It was just how they were taught to learn. Reading in our heads actually is a skill that came up a little bit later. So it wasn't uncommon that if somebody was smart enough to read or learned enough to read, they might read it out loud versus, you know, out of their mouth as opposed to just in their head. So Philip, again, sees him or hears him speaking the word and then says, okay, I'm going to go into this guy's chariot and help him out. Well, the story continues. It says the passage of Scripture they were reading was this one. It was from Isaiah 53. And they're reading it out loud, saying, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb, he was silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who, who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch then asks Philip, who can I ask you, who is the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about someone else that is to come? What a great question. This passage is about the suffering servant. Clearly a man on a mission being led before the the, uh, slaughter and silent. Who is this, he says. What a great setup. Philip then begins to speak, and starting with that particular piece of scripture about the suffering servant, he opens up the rest of the word and proclaims to the man the good news of Jesus. That's the wonderful thing about scripture. 
is that if you get to the sections, the massive Old Testament sections before the gospel, everything points towards the ministry of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Then there's the gospel, the very center point of our scripture. And then everything after that, the New Testament, points back towards that amazing event of what Jesus has done. I love that the Holy Spirit had given Philip, through probably his own learning and time in the Word, the ability to open up the Word at Isaiah 53 and lead someone, point them towards the reality that God's Messiah had come, He had died, and He had been risen all for love's sake. And I just love that Philip had the ability to lead him there to Christ, which is the center of our story and the center of all human history. It's a powerful moment between these two new friends. And as they were going along the road, uh, the man was convinced in his heart of the love of God shown to him in Christ and the power of his resurrection that the man was then, then ready to repent of his sins, receive and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. He says to Philip, uh, hey, what is it that's going to stop me? Look, there's water over there. What's going to stop me from being baptized? He commanded his chariot to stop, and then both of them, Philip and the man, go down to the water, and in an intimate moment that is so beautiful, Philip baptizes him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away quickly, and the man from Ethiopia saw him no more. He went on his way, though, rejoicing with his new story. Philip found himself later in Azotus, Passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news even more to the towns that he came to until he finally got to Caesarea. I love that when finally the man in the chariot sees the reality of God's love shown to him in Christ, he had, what is going to stop me from being baptized right now? Because when the love of God is revealed to you in Christ, you just have to move. You have to move. And what I think is probably just a sweet, tender moment. I mean, how many of you are here when we do baptisms? And whether they're of an infant or believer baptisms, we can sense the presence of the Spirit every time and the intimacy of those moments. And I know my own baptism, as well as baptisms I've been uh, graciously allowed to administer, I mean, they're, they're beautiful ceremonies. It's a wonderful moment of intimacy with friends as we uh, submerge them into the water and reveal them out. And, sent them on, and send them on their way. And I just love this image of these two people who don't really even know each other. They didn't exchange stories. It didn't take months of, of building relationship. It was, tell me, who is this in the word that they're pointing to? The, and I'll tell you who it is. It's Jesus. And then they had this wonderful moment of being baptized there in the water together. And the man goes off with a brand new joy in his heart and a story to tell. And Philip on his way as well. There's an eternal value to that moment of baptism together that they'll never forget. The Word doesn't tell us at all that these two guys got together anytime again in their earthly lives. But when we think about joyful reunions to come, I know one that I would like to peek in on is Philip and that Ethiopian man seeing each other one more time in heaven. We made it. Look at us. Look at us. That's such a beautiful moment. When we talk about life in the Spirit from the story, what we see is that the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the Word of God for us. And when I think about the blazing center, I think one of the best places to start living in that blazing center is the intimacy of God's Word illuminated by the Holy Spirit. I'll call that candlelight. 
uh, devotional time where we can just spend time in the company of God's word. You know, I, I love going on, on dates with my wife. We get to have nice dinners together. Uh, we'll leave the kids a frozen pizza and, you know, we'll maybe go out for something ourselves. But you, and for those of you who also like to go on dates, you know, that every date is special, but when there's candlelight on the table, it's a special intimacy, right? I'll say, hey, we got candles on the table. That's the kind of time the Holy Spirit wants with you too in his word. He wants some intimate time with you to sit in the company of his word and, and, and the Holy Spirit wants to reveal God's word to you. There is no better tool for pointing people towards Christ, starting with yourself, than the word of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to teach you God's word because there's power in these words. We talk about assurance, of, of having that assurance of faith, not being clouded over with doubt or mystery one of the best ways to stay in assurance of your salvation is the tool of the Word. But the tool of the Word is also very helpful for us to be able to teach people about Christ. It's really the best tool you could use for evangelism. You know, I think about those times that my, my sister-in-law, she was uh, much older than me when I was a kid, so she was kind of like an aunt. Uh, but there were times that she would sit me next to her very lovingly, and she had the biggest, giantest Bible I'd ever seen. It was like one of those super, you know, six-inch thick ones with all the tabs and stuff. And she'd crack that thing open, and she would walk me tenderly down into the story and show me the love of God for us in Christ. Those weren't moments necessarily that I can say, oh, I, I gave my life to Christ then. But I know the Lord used those because I sensed the power and truth in the words that she, she was giving to me, even if I didn't understand them at the time. You see, the, the word gives us assurance. It gives us reason. It gives us rationale that points us over and over again to Christ. And so when we spend time reading the word, we're not just reading it for our own edification, but the Holy Spirit is going to use the word so we're prepared to share it out with others. And I've done my own experiments in my own heart and life. And I can tell you the times that I'm more committed to reading God's word, he actually gives me more opportunities to share the love of God outward. I'm more motivated to do it when I spend time in the word. And in fact, some of the most spirit-filled people I know are people of the word. Some of those people that you know that are like, oh, they're just, they seem like they're always overflowing with the joy of the Lord. They're always people of the word. But also people that I know who are people of the Spirit, who are filled with the Word, are also the same ones who are always on mission to share the love of God with friends and neighbors and coworkers and cashiers. And it begins with that candlelight time, letting the Holy Spirit illuminate the Word for you. Next, the Holy Spirit wants to be the, the torch. You could say the blazing torch that lights us on our way. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us on our path, and we see that so clearly here in the story is Philip is on a journey, but the man is also on a journey. And why they take that wilderness road out there in the middle of nowhere, the Lord knew. He called them together in that place, in that timing, that look, and there's water. How about that? Let's get baptized. So many people that we encounter in our days are also on spiritual journeys to seek and find the Lord. And the Holy Spirit will send you just like Philip, on the same path. Because the Holy Spirit's still active today. He's still leading his people around and strategically placing us where we can have these special conversations that help people start to see the love of God and even point them so clearly to Christ. It happened to me just last week 
we were just out with some family having a good time, and I, I met someone very quickly, and within the space of about six minutes of, of a stranger, she was telling me very longing things of her heart, and I was able to share with her the love of God and even pray for her to receive Christ. God put us in that same spot in that same moment. He's still active today. Life in the Spirit is saying, Holy Spirit, will you lead me today? See, so often we think, well, maybe tomorrow I'll go to work, or maybe tomorrow I'll go to school, or maybe tomorrow I'll, 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 I'll go do a, a, take a walk. But instead of saying, I'm going to do, we start to think, I'm being sent to school. I'm being sent out to work. I'm being sent in my neighborhood. Holy Spirit's still leading and guiding. It's no secret that the primary book we have about the work of the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts, is the most missional book in the entire Bible. Because when the Holy Spirit moves, he's moving us on mission. I'll show you how this is played out in another piece of scripture. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 21 tells us this. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one point, we used to think of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. The Holy Spirit has revealed Christ to us. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new way of life has begun. All of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. So we see people differently as we see Christ differently. We see opportunity in every way because this is the new life we have been called to. And the scripture goes on and tells us more that we, God has given us then the task of reconciling people to himself. God has given us that task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ. He was the one reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That was his work. And now he has given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He's given it to us. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We are the ones that God is making his appeal through. And we get to speak for Christ when we plead with others, come on back, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so we could be made right with God through Christ. This is our message of reconciliation. We're ambassadors for Christ. This is the story that we share. And we speak on behalf of Christ in the spirit when we plead with others, come back, come back to God. He's waiting for you. This inspires us when we start to see life in the spirit as like a campfire. We had a beautiful time outside, just a few of us last night. It was a little bit rainy, a little bit windy, uh, but we lit the bonfire and, uh, you know, kind of sat semicircle around and still had service outside. It was really, really sweet. I've never had a bad time at a bonfire. I don't know about you. I'm, I don't get them much. I'm kind of a city kid. Um, but whenever I've, you know, hung out with people in a bonfire, it's usually a, an intimate time, a sweet time of fellowship. But that's what life in the Spirit is. It's these campfire moments. And you see that again back in the story where Philip and the man had a bond that was navigated through the Spirit that crossed cultural and even great economic barriers. This was a rich man from the south in a chariot. And Philip was running in his, his, uh, his bare sandals to try to keep up with him. And they still had a friendship and an intimacy. That's a beautiful campfire moment. 
And that happens anytime we give ourselves over to building up the kingdom of God in the church, through the church, as the church. As we share our story and witness, we are never more connected together in spirit when we're together serving together and supporting together the mission and ministry of the church. Holy Spirit wants to inspire us into a deeper level of community. So you see that life in the Spirit is very missional, mission-driven. Lord, ask me, ask him, where do you want me to go today? How can I be a blessing to the people around you? We are filled by the Spirit always to pour out. And hopefully in this series we began to stoke in you a desire like, like I have as well to be filled more with the Spirit. But here's the deal, we get filled more with the Spirit when we're willing to pour it out, pour him out. The love of God will come to us more fully when we agree to distribute it out. That's the flow that he wants us to have. It's not just filling for my own sake. It's flowing so that we can flowing in so that we can pour out. God wants to send you on mission. Lord, fill me so I can pour out. I think about a mission trip I took to Costco not too long ago. I didn't know it at the time. I went up to the cashier, and Costco is always a mess for me. Like, you always go up and you scan, like, five items, and they're, like, you know, $600. Like, how did I get that much, you know? And then sometimes you go up with 20 items, and it's, like, $78. I, I don't know how that works. But I'm standing there trying to avoid my grief over what I'm spending at Costco, and I just noticed the cashier behind the plexiglass just was kind of vacant. And I asked her, how's your day going? And she said, it's going Okay. And she finished cashing me out, and it's a very quick process. Now I just I looked over across the plexiglass, and I said, you know, God bless you today. God bless you. And she looked up, and it's like lightning hit her. And she said, what did you say? I said, just, God bless you. And she said, you know, I was just thinking, does God care? Like, yes, he does. He does. That's why he sent me here to say to you, may God bless you. God bless you. Life in the Spirit is mission-driven. Lord, where do you want me to go? Fill me so I can pour out. Life in the Spirit is kingdom focus. We have these brief interactions that we hope will have some eternal purpose. What if my blessing of this person today carries significance and weight and draws them towards a relationship to Christ? Will we see people in the kingdom of heaven that we have no idea we played an important part of their story. Life in the Spirit crosses barriers. Cultural, age, economics. You know, it's the great illusion of this day that we're divided. It's the great illusion. Because we know that diversity has always been the vision of the kingdom. And one day, every knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Life in the Spirit is also very exciting. See, when we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit being the blazing center of our lives and hearts, it, it quickens the Spirit, it engages our breath. It's very exciting, very wonderful, and it's ours, our duty that we get by faith. The Holy Spirit becomes the blazing center of our lives. We give our lives to Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, and then He begins to ignite that fire. So have you, have you? Have you accepted Christ? Have you accepted the ministry of the Holy Spirit within so that you can pour out and be a blessing to others. I have a short prayer for us to pray, and then we're going to respond in additional worship this morning. Let us stand with this, and maybe this is a prayer that's just needed to pour out of your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and just been feeling a little dry, a little empty. 
before we head into responsive worship, let's just ask and see what he can do in our hearts. Let us pray together saying, Oh Lord, may we each be full of the Spirit, full of the gospel, full of compassion. For there are lost people everywhere who need to hear of and experience your grace. May we be your ambassadors today and in the days to come. Let us overflow with your love that is poured into us. And thank you for using us to reach all the nations. Trusting in you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.